Okay, we're recording. We're recording, and we started off just talking about how, at least my first three years, I did all my accounting with a Google Doc. Yeah, I was jokingly saying, this episode is sponsored by QuickBooks. And QuickBooks is actually a really nice tool to have for accounting if you need an accounting tool. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. It's easy. It's super easy. Yeah. Some people are not good at it. You log in like once a month, ching, ching, chong, chong. You can do all your invoicing good. through there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but today we were going to talk about contracts. <laughs> once you get the contract, you have to worry about accounting. But yeah. you're probably going to need to get contracts first. Uh, after hunting season, pretty much 2021 planning happens or is, has been happening. And depending on which brand you're trying to work with, um, they might be starting to, to build out contracts for photographers and trips and everything like that. I know at Stone Glacier, we already are. Uh, we actually or have already signed one of our photographers to a contract and have already started planning trips for next year and hunts and all the good stuff. So cool. What, when's, what's your guys' fiscal year? Do you end in March or something? No, I think it's just a calendar oh, year. Oh, it's a calendar. Yep. Okay, cool. So, yeah. yeah, some a lot of companies will do a calendar year. Calendar year. Others will do, like, I don't know, March to March or something. Yep. So, knowing that would be good in when you're actually, you know, pitching these brands. For on, sure. On, on, on when to pitch them, you know. So, like, Stone Glacier, it's like, yeah, right now or <laughs> probably months ago, you, if, if somebody's trying to get on board with, with you guys, you need to start reaching out early. Yeah. It, yeah. Anyone that waits until, like, a month before hunting season is going to be pretty shit out of luck for the most part yeah <clears throat> unless you're a pretty experienced photographer with a really awesome trip um but yeah i mean even when we started i just remember like december was like planning month <laughs> for next year because even if they don't do their budgets like if let's say their fiscal year rolls over in march or may or april or whenever they're probably already allocating and planning the next year Yep. It's like it's probably already allocated. Like, hey, uh, if I'm at brand X, like I got a $600,000 marketing budget and $150,000 of that's allocated to my photographers or whatever it is, like they probably already pencil a lot of that stuff in. Yeah. So the sooner you're in, involved in that conversation, the better. And if you have a relationship with most of these brands, it's just a simple question of asking them when they do that so you're ready and on the ball. Again, yeah. it comes down to just being a professional and like, if you make their job easy of like, hey, I know you're probably planning next year. Would love to shoot X, Y, Z or be involved in any other project, blah, blah, blah. It just makes it easier to, to land jobs. What say ye? Yeah, totally. <laughs> get, get on their radar early. Let them know that you are interested. Show them that you have value to bring to the table so that when they are establishing their or setting their, their budgets, they're like, oh, yeah, we want to include Drake or Zach or whoever. You know, like they, they pencil you in. And, yeah, I mean. There's some projects that, so like these Anyone's Hunt video series, which there's, you know, there's all sorts of deliverables associated with it, but it's like after the first one, like, I mean, I'm, I, I've, we're, we're locking in like next year's already. Mm-hmm. And then like some of the sponsoring brands are like, hey, are you going to do one of these next year? Like, can we be involved? And like, they're asking, yeah. they, they were asked two months ago and they're like, cool, we'll pencil it in for next year's budget. Yeah. So, so if you are trying to pitch something brand new or pitch to a brand that you've never worked with before like get get in their ear early like yeah. really establish who you are early it might take a year yep honestly and, and zach like you said if you, if you wait until a month before hunting season you're probably not going to get anything and, unless yeah. there's just some ra- random thing fell through or this guy couldn't or this guy or gal couldn't go photograph that hunt and then you might be able to swoop in but that's a, yeah. that's a bad like if you're waiting till the month before hunting season to build contacts or, or to go do paid assignments like <laughs> i wouldn't even you know, can consider that an option. I would just go do all the hunts and build your portfolio. And yeah. I was just going to say, as far as approaching brands and reaching out, it's like, if you have not put the work in and built like a, a quality portfolio, it's just going to be so much tougher to get a job with a brand, especially a good one. Like if you come in and have that conversation and your portfolio is not that great, I bet it's like at least another year or two, even if you're on the ball before you probably get that opportunity where like, if you just come to the table day one, like I just went dark for a year and shot my face off and have this epic portfolio. Like we're probably talking about like, Hey, 
if you really want this, like, let's do a project and see how you do and go from there. Yep. Or yep. like, if you come in and like, Hey, I really want to do this. And then it's like your portfolio kind of sucks. Let's say we give you that opportunity and you're not even there yet. Cause let's just say your portfolio actually represents your skill sets. Like you're probably not going to get a high score for scoring your performance as a photographer, which means you're probably not really growing like your relationship. Like it's just not the ideal spot. Yeah. If you come in the door for a brand, you kind of want to crush it straight off the bat. Totally. Totally. Especially if you're trying to grow relationships and partnerships and like grow as a photographer and make more money. Um, and most brands, like when you do sign on with them, I mean, if, if you're, if you're, uh, you know, uh, this is your first time doing work with them. I think, I think it's Lyle that uses this term. He says, like when we start with somebody, we, we crawl and yeah. then it's like year two, like if things are going good, we'll walk with them. And then year three, we'll run. So yep. then it's just like, sweet. We put, we have a lot of trust in this person to crush it always. Like yep. let's do as much as we can with them. But when you first start, like I wouldn't expect to land a big paying gig unless you've no. got the credibility. No, but, I mean, it doesn't matter who you are. Like if you're the best photographer in the industry and you want to come shoot, let's say just for us at Stone Glacier, like we're going to give you probably one project yep. and we're going to see how it goes. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like you're going to have to work your way up the totem pole, so to speak. And that's just, I think how it should be. Um, totem poles. Yeah, I know. Totem <laughs> poles are sick. <laughs> uh, I might make one. They're so sweet. Um, but yeah, you gotta, you gotta work your way up and then, maintain um yeah i think just working hard is a big big part of that but uh, all right so so say say uh you're in year two of your <coughs> photography contract or say, say you did a year with a brand and now you're on year two and you're you're revisiting say the first year you did whatever say you did one project say it was like hey i'm gonna go photograph or, or brand hires x photographer to photograph one whatever five day hunt just for example like Year two, what what do you think is the best avenue for the photographer? Like, the photographer wants to grow with this brand. Mm -hmm. First year, they did five day of just one trip. It went yeah. great. Like, what's what's the next step for the photographer as far as, like, right now during kind of pitch season and planning? I would just write it, pencil it out on your end what the ideal situation looks like, at least. Yeah. Be able to present, like, have an offer as the photographer. You know, let's say we did five days and you felt like you crushed it i mean in my head i guess i would just think about where that brand's at and what i think the ability of, for me to grow in that role would have been and i'd pitch it maybe i pitched hey i'd love to do three trips next year 15 days and like you know let's see if i can handle that and do a good job with that i mean i proved to you guys that i was able to deliver a lot of value in the five days last year like i think that earns me you know, the opportunity to grow my contract and do more for you guys. And let's try X. And if it goes well from there, let's keep keep the ball rolling. I would always, I mean, if you're really in it for the long term, I'd always be talking at least two years out or at least putting it on their radar. Like, hey, you know, if we up my contract this next year, here's what I would like to see if I crush it again the yeah. following year, make sure that they're on the same page. Totally. Totally. And so much of this, it's not that they'll know, but at least, yeah. <laughs> you know, you can say, Hey, this is what the expectation was. Yeah. Most yeah. people, if you're working with them that are just good people in the first place, they'll understand that you have an expectation, either communicate that. Yeah. That's valid to think that that'll happen. You know, we can't promise anything, but that's sounds good. Or like, Hey, yeah. we might, you know, some brands, maybe they don't use a single photographer more than like 10 days a year. Yeah. You know, they use a bunch yeah. of different people. I mean, so I, th I think it's a good play on the photographer's side to just be like, hey, like, let, let's look like in two years, I'd like it to be this or, or mm -hmm. talking about the future. And that just shows that you're, you're in it for the long game. Yeah. I think that's, that's huge. But so much of this, it's like when you actually are buckled down, like, like sending the contract like that yeah you can send the contract via an, e an email but like for the most part you should do all this via phone yeah like talk to a real person yeah you know it's pretty easy for us to either text or email and stuff and it's like you just there's a lot of <clears throat> lots gets lost in translation in that 
Yeah. And it's like, man, we're, we're all really easygoing people for the most part. And yep. so if you just have a conversation, you know, some, something that might cause a lot of controversy in an email might have been totally misread. So yeah. like, yeah, have these conversations over phone, try to build your relationships as best you can, either in person or via phone. And then obviously hash out the, the nitty gritty if you just need it, you know, in, the, in yep. the email. So, yeah, I always, when I was freelancing full time too, always tried to have those conversations in person or on the phone. It just seems like it was a lot easier conversation to com make compelling argument for why they should pay you more money. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> Versus an email, which people can a lot of times defer or avoid certain questions. Mm hmm. I feel like as the photographer, you should always have, you know, questions ready for the person you're going to work for too. Yeah. Not just like, Hey, how much money do you got for me this year? Right. You know? Um, cause that stuff's important too. And I think at the end of the day, you probably want to weed out some of, you're going to find out some of the brands aren't worth shooting for, Yep. you know, in the long run, or they're just not people that you align with for whatever those values might be. Yep. Could be a ton of different things. But yeah, I think having a two-way relationship, you'll kind of just sort out what brands you want to invest more time and energy into. Because yep. it really won't ever be an equal like, hey, I give everybody, I have 10 clients and everybody gets 10% of my time. You know, it's like, yeah, probably <laughs> going to have like one or two brands you'd like to probably do like 80 or 90% of your work for. Totally. So yeah, you want to kind of feel, feel that vibe out too. Um, yeah, what, how would you go about, you know, reaching out to a brand once you, you know who that person should be and you've had some contact with them? Yeah. So again, it all starts with relationship building. And I mean, you could start that on Instagram. You could start liking someone's photos or brand's photos, see where that goes. Then maybe, you know, maybe you end up having a conversation on Instagram with somebody at the brand and that opens up a door and then all of a sudden you've got a contact that you feel like you could probably reach out to and have a, yep. you know, a conversation with. Um, yeah, that's when, I mean, if, if I was reaching out to a brand who I've never worked with before, I would do as much groundwork trying to figure out everything about this brand and then trying to figure out like what direction they're going mm -hmm. and then how, <clears throat> excuse me, and then how I might be able to fit into that and help them down that route. Yeah. And a lot of that comes to once you have a connect, once you have a connection to the brand, just calling that person up and yeah. having a conversation with them, ask, ask them like, yeah. Hey, like I see you're doing this, this, and this, like, you know, I feel like we're very synergistic in what we do. I think I could photograph or film some of the products you have in really mm -hmm. awesome, badass places. And, yeah. and then, I think if you do that, and then it's like, oh yeah, cool, great. Well, hey, we've actually got this product, this product, this product. Next year, you know, we'd love image assets video created around that. Mm -hmm. And then you're like, sweet, now I know kind of how to <laughs> cater my pitches or my hunting trips, yeah. you know, to this brand based on the products they're trying to sell. So it, it, sure. it uh, on the last podcast we talked about, I mean, brands are trying to sell product. Product at the end of the day is yep. what makes the world turn, or selling product, <laughs> and. Uh, a lot of brands are trying to sell experiences as well. That's certainly a thing. But at the end of the day, if you're not selling product, they're not making money, and then yeah. you as a photographer are not going to get paid. So at the end of the day, even if you are doing a trip that's more experience-based, you're just trying to show the beauty of hunting, whatever, it's like you got to get some cool product stuff. Yeah. So having a good wrap or a good, yeah, having your head wrapped around the products that um, are coming out before you even reach out to that brand or, or at least having a really good idea of the products that that brand offers and how you could probably shoot them in a cool way, yep. that's going to be huge. Yeah. So start there. <laughs> yeah. I'd say your value goes up exponentially if you can not only be an aspirational photographer, but also a good product photographer and yeah. do both of them at the same time. Uh, yeah. There's pretty few people, I feel like, that just shoot whatever they want to shoot and are, you know, madly successful. Yeah. Most people at some point have to freaking <laughs> lock in and, like, yeah. build really quality imagery around a product, a business, yeah. an idea, whatever that is. I, I think in, like, the hunting photography <laughs> standpoint, uh, 10 years ago, it was a little bit more, you know, throwing darts at a dart or... or I don't even know what the saying is, but <laughs> you're just blindly kind of like, you're just kind of yeah. out there shooting. Cause you're like, Oh my gosh, I'm in these insane places. And then it's like, 
and now it's kind of like sweet now we're in an insane place now let's focus on like how do we make this product look epic in this insane place but yeah i mean i'd say the for, for the first 10 years it was for me anyway it was purely aspirational yeah and then like product photos kind of came out of that but but 10 years ago like all the brands were like oh my god this is epic yeah. and now now all photos that you see most brands post are pretty epic so now yeah. it's like okay how do we you know um separate so yeah I mean, <clears throat> at least for me in my position, because I get a vet, pretty much anyone that wants to shoot for Stone Glacier at this point is like, A, show me your portfolio, and I want to see that you can deliver a quality photo <laughs> across like a broad spectrum. Like, I don't want to just see like 14 landscape photos. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like, show me that you have a diverse toolbox yep. to like pull from. Yeah. And then B, like, it, like show me one thing that, like, makes me believe that you have researched and know who our brand is. You know, like, I should be able to ask you, like, what is our brand all about? Yep. You know what I mean? And you should be able to be like, Stone Glacier is a freaking mountain hunting company, backpack hunting, ultralight, minimalist design. Like, you should be able to tell me something. Yep. You know? And ideally, I'd like to see that in the email. Like, hey... Even if it's like, hey, I know the Sky 5900 is one of your best-selling packs. I, you know, have one or would love to shoot one. And here's three ideas, you know, like creativity's out. I just, I don't, I know it's out there because there's people doing creative things in the industry. But I don't remember the last time I got any kind of creative pitch of any yeah. kind. <laughs> like nothing. Like people are just like, hey, I really love your brand. would love to shoot for you. It's like, next yeah like it's low percentage that's gonna like break through kind of the noise yeah it's like pitch me three things that i don't even like yeah that show me that you're willing to think about totally. where the photos are going because at the end of the day the the photos have to be placed somewhere yeah right like they don't just go into a big gallery that everybody gets to surf and be like oh yeah like sitka or yeti has the dopest gallery it's like <laughs> Those brands leverage each photo in a certain way for a certain thing. Like, if you don't understand that, you're kind of shooting yourself in the foot as well, or there's room for progression there because, like, certain photos that are dope for the catalog probably aren't going to do very well for a social media post. Yeah. Potentially, they could, you know, or like a, a, a photo advertisement photo, you know, might be great for just that, and everywhere else it doesn't really fit very well. Or like if you're going to shoot and document a hunt, like are you going to build a story? Like, you know, like just like what goes on, like what happens to the content? You know, like I'd have a plan for how do you deliver it? Totally. You know, like I remember when we were pitching films, for sure it was always like, all right, you make this film, like then what? Yep. Like oh, yeah. having a distribution plan is huge. Yeah, yeah. It's oh always the distribution plan and the timeline yep. too. Totally. Anyways, if you had those three <laughs> three things on point, you know, you're probably getting a pretty, like, a, at least a solid review from the person that's, you know, fielding that stuff. Yeah. Even if you're way off base, at least just, you know, <clears throat> having that on paper and showing that, like, hey, I'm thinking about all these things, even if it's not on brand. Yeah. It's like, oh, cool. This, this person is, like, you know, thinks a little bit more progressively than a lot of other people. Yeah. That have sent in. So that's a great way to stand, stand apart. There's just so many ways to do it. Yeah. That. I remember that this is going to maybe sound negative, but uh, <laughs> I, uh, it was like two years ago, I was, I sent out a, a thing on Instagram about, I was hiring an intern. Yeah. And, um, and I, and I asked people, I was like, Hey, like, do not send me a cover letter and the traditional. Cause like, I like be creative, do yeah. something different. And I, and I left it pretty open and, it, it was awesome. I had so many people reach out and, and send me applications and whatnot. But it's like, for the most part, I got a cover letter, cover letter, and an application. Yeah. And I, I had like two hundred of those, and then I bet I had five of them that were like these really creative, unique pitches. Yeah. And I was like, and those people stood out so much more. And it's you know, I was completely inundated. I went through everybody's, but it was just it was a gong show because it was like, I I left it open for people to be creative, and it, yeah. I think people get really sucked into this. Oh no, I got to keep it boring and traditional but it's like how do you break through you don't you, 
you send something creative. Yeah. And and for the same reason, I'm like, I don't care if you're if you're pitching me a random idea that has nothing to do with, with what I'm doing. It's just showing me that you're creative and you're thinking in this different mindset. Like that's huge. And, yeah. and, and those those five people, like I, I had conversations with a lot of them, and and it was epic. But yeah. Um, yeah. So. Yeah. Be creative when you're. Yeah. Pitching. Someone <laughs> had a question about internships just recently and <clears throat> asked if they were valuable. They'd had one that didn't really pan out and. I mean, I kind of wrote them back an answer. It wasn't as in-depth as we can go on a podcast because it's an email, but I think internships are awesome, but you almost have to craft them for yourself nowadays. Mm-hmm. Like determine, A, find a brand or a person you want to work for and then determine, like, where can I provide some value and, like, learn something in the process, yeah. you know? And then almost, like, build it. It's like a project in itself. It's like, <clears throat> if I wanted to intern for you i'd be like i would build an entire plan i would be like hey dude would love to do an internship you got a second to like hear me out on this and then i'd be like boom i want to like i want to film three of your vlogs one of them is going to be you photographing three days of spring bear hunting with one of your buddies or it's going to be maybe the second one i'm going to just follow you around and shed hunt for one day and make a dope little one minute video you can post on Instagram, you know, the following week with, you know, some insight from you. Maybe it's like three tips about shed hunting. And then the fourth one will be like, you know what I mean? Like very calculated. Like I'm going to spend four days with you or three days or two days. I'm going to build this. If anyone's listening sure. to this and wants to send me, it, wants to take Zach's <laughs> ideas and then send them to me, I, you might you might get hired. Well, it's like <laughs> I'm sure in your shoes, if you're like, hey, I'm going shed hunting for, let's say it's only ten days, ten days, only the, ten days. I know. I'm just going on like the really <laughs> like crazy end of the spectrum where normal people would do. Drake's gonna have like sixty, but yeah. I'm saying let's say a person only had shed hunting like ten days, I'd be like, hey, two of these days. Let's go to a spot that you're comfortable taking me. I just want to document your process and build you a cool one-minute video. I know that you've built some vlogs. I know that you can help direct this. I think I'm capable of shooting it and editing it. And it would just be for Instagram, so the production value is like, this isn't a film. You know, it's like, I think it'd be a cool insight. I think your followers would appreciate this content for X, Y, Z. And that's like one of three pieces of the puzzle. It's going to be pretty tough for you if you're like, A, this person has talent with the camera. They had a good plan. They're going to schedule it with me. Like, this is pretty easy now. All it, I got to do is say It makes it yes. so easy. Yeah. They're bringing value to you, and now they get access to spend time with you to pick your brain, to try to pick up little things, which is like the whole point of the internship is like kind of a two-way street of like value and information. And yeah. in – hoping that you can pick up something from someone else. It's like you're a product of your environment. So like the fact that you got to go spend time with someone you value, whether that's Drake or whoever you pick to do or try to do an internship with, it's like hopefully you would like glean from that and like just get better. But yeah, so now you probably have an intern next year. I hope so, man. (laughs) I mean, like that is the pitch I was looking for. And it's shockingly did not get anything like that. I know Close it's amazing like, it because amazing. I think for you and I, like it seems so obvious. Yeah. Um, and it could be something totally else. It could be like, "Hey, man, I don't even, I don't even need to come hang out with you and you need up your time." But I like shed hunting too. I'm trying to get better at my photography. Would you, if I, you know, spent four or five days shooting shed hunting this year with my friends, would you review those galleries? And if you saw enough progression, share five of those, my best photos as yeah. like an Instagram post Yeah. to where it's like, you're providing value and you get to share someone who's like up and coming and like be part of the community, which is like what you should do at some point on your Instagram page, you know, yeah. like for anybody. So it's like, there's a lot of ways to grow your network and intern, like an internship could literally, like you could never even see that person in person and have an internship. So, anyways, you're full per- of ideas, we're man. We're pretty off like an topic. Ideas guy. Well, it all boils down to just really understanding who you're pitching to, and whether yeah. you're pitching an internship, a contract, or like first time reaching out. Like, you just gotta 
do as much research on the, that brand as possible. Yeah. So that's really what it boils down to. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you could probably land internships with a lot of brands. I, I mean, I would, I would try to get internships with actual people. Yeah. You know, as opposed to like a brand. Because at the end of the day, it's probably going to be one person that's managing yeah. that internship if you did it through a brand. Yeah. And you better want to work with that person. Yeah. <laughs> so I would, you know, also think about people's availability and time, which again is like if I were to pitch you, I know that you're super busy. I would make it very clear what your time commitment is Yeah. to me, the intern, if I want to like do something for you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in, in our, both of our line of work, I mean, if you're working in the outdoor hunting industry, like you're spending a lot of time in the field. Mm -hmm. And so a, the idea of a classic internship just doesn't even exist. Right. Yeah. It's kind of like, yeah. I mean, I had people like, Oh yeah, I could do six months. And I'm just like, I don't even like, yeah, it's just, it's tough. I'm like, yeah. Hey, I, I need what you just pitched me. Yeah. And it's like <clears throat> what we're talking about with getting contracts and trying to get jobs. Like this is literally your first test at doing that. Yep. If you can go land an internship, you can go land a paying gig because most of the things are the, the process is no, pretty much the same. same. Yeah. So it's like if you can't go get an internship yep. or do something with somebody, doesn't have to be like your best case scenario. Oh, I'm interning with Jimmy Chin, you know, yeah, yeah <laughs> like it can be whoever, <laughs> like find some success. It's like in sports and anything, it's like, it usually builds off of something little, you know, you're not all of a sudden just like there, like it's a progression. So totally, totally. Um, I mean, how old are you? How long have, I mean, you, you and I'm your brother started, when did you guys first kind of start doing this with Montana? Wild? Uh, 13 was the first year we like got our business like set up. Gotcha. So it's been, mm, I don't know, eight or nine years now, I guess. Yeah. Roughly. Is that it? It feels longer than that. I don't know. 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, yeah, eight. Your finger counter. I, I like know. it. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, it doesn't take that long to figure it out. I mean, I feel like in two years, you should have a pretty good grasp of most things. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. You, you learn quick. And I mean, you, I'd and like to say we're full of wisdom in our yeah. young 30s. <laughs> I, th I think for anyone that is like wanting to do it and hasn't done it yet, like I wouldn't even, my timeline would literally be. <sighs> If you're like starting from from zero or even like have a little bit of experience, I mean, I think that our course, and so does Drake, but I think that our course is a massive launch pad. A, because you get one-on-one -on -one access with Drake and I. We're going to help you. We're going to help network and connect you with people. Like to me, that's worth the price tag, but you're going to learn all of the little things that when you approach that brand, you already have a level of professionalism that sets you apart but it would be like i could take this course you know in a month or two months in january or february when nothing's going on and then i would just shoot my face off <laughs> all next year yeah all the way until november 30th and i would have the most baller portfolio yep so that december 1 i'm sending emails and i guarantee you you have a half dozen paid shoots in oh, the yeah. following year easy man like it's not <laughs> a long timeline but you gotta like really dig your heels in and work hard yeah you know um it's just gonna it's like if you really want it like sacrifice up front you know like you're probably gonna have, a, have another job you're probably gonna have to sacrifice some income to go on these hunts to build your portfolio you're probably gonna have to spend some of your own money you're going to have to invest in a little bit of camera gear. Like you're going to have to hustle a little bit, but then it's like, then it gets pretty good from there on. Yeah. Where if you're like kind of half asset for three or four years, like you really don't get anywhere. No. You're and you just wasted ahead. a bunch of time. And like, <laughs> it's like you should just go all in or, or just do it for fun. You know, as far as documenting your hunts, uh, what else? You got any hot tips? For, oh, one thing I was going to ask you about, and this is probably something good to talk about just in general, because everyone probably should have one, but 
I ever since they came out with the InReach Mini, I've hated mine. Really? It just never sends out mm. messages quickly or receives them. Like oh, yeah. I'll have it in wide open. Like I've taken videos, full 360 top of the mountain, and it's like been checking for messages for like seven minutes. Weird. Or yeah. like 12 minutes when it's like really, it should be really good reception. Huh. And I never had that issue when I had the bigger, like the first big orange yep. in reach. But I saw that you're using, is it the Zo- Zolio? Zolio. I'm not sure what Zolio means. It's kind of a sounds like Zorro a little bit. It's a cool name, but uh, yeah, no. I, so I've used I've used InReach InReach Minis for, I think I got my first one in 2012, and back yep. then it was didn't even have a screen. It was just this black box with this yep. antenna looking thing on it. And yeah, they've been pretty crucial. It's it's a satellite communicator, satellite texting device. You can text anybody from anywhere in the world. It's got a weather app. It's got um, SOS feature. They're pretty incredible. You can, you can text device to device. So say you're way in the back country and somewhere where there isn't any any service or cell service of any kind, and you can, uh, you know, you, you could text your buddy that's maybe on the other side of the valley or or yeah. whatever. Um, yeah. So I, so I used the Garmin InReach quite for quite a few years, and just recently I switched to Zolio. Uh, the device itself is a little bit bigger. It Dude, like it sends messages so stinking quick. Yeah. I mean, in ten seconds, and I can I can check for a message, and it, there there's no lag whatsoever. And I've I've had great luck with my inreaches. I've also had them be super slow. Like messages will show up like two days later out of yep. nowhere. Yeah. And then it, you know, when you're especially if you're commuting communicating with someone back home, um, and you know, you send them a message, maybe it never delivers. Yeah. And you're like, oh, all's fine and dandy, and they're 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 sweating bullets and they're yeah. about ready to call the search and rescue. It's oh, like yeah. that, that happens with those devices. Yeah. Um, but with, yeah, with the Zolio, I've, I've been using it all fall. Actually, I got it in August. So the last basically six months. And yep. Yeah. I've never had an issue with that. Nice. The one thing, the one thing that it does that's different than the, the inReach. Well, a couple things. It does not have a screen. Yep. Uh, the device itself is a little bit bigger than the inReach mini. Um, but the cool thing, so you get your own, basically you get your own phone number. Yeah, I saw that, which is pretty nice. And s- yeah, and so what, what that translates to is that you can just text be- with that phone number. Um, you, can, you can text through the, through the inReach, or sorry, <laughs> keep calling it inReach, through the Zolio, so just over the satellite, like, nor- like uh, all the other devices. And then you can also text, you know, say if you're in an outfitter's base camp and they yeah. have a Wi-Fi, um, your, your Zolio will connect to that Wi-Fi and you can, you can and uh you don't actually have to have the device turned on. Just mm. your your phone with that SMS with with its own number will text through that. Nice. And then also, if you like suddenly have cell service, you can continue that text conversation with yep. that same number. Yeah. Um, one thing that often happens is like on on the inreaches is you would be texting on an inreach, and then as soon as you'd get out to service, then you would switch back to your regular phone number. Mm-hmm. And sometimes messages would get lost. Because it's like, oh, I'm not going to turn my inReach back on, and somebody might have sent you an inReach yep. message, and you wouldn't see it for two weeks till you turn it on. Yep. So, so that, so yeah, the, the Zolio totally solves that problem. It's pretty cool. Um, it's also everything's like cheaper, dude. Yeah. It's like everything's like ten bucks a month less. So. Yeah, it, it's uh, you a, it's told a good me all thing the things that I was thinking you were going to say, so I'm probably going to sell mine and buy this one. <laughs> I just hate waiting. Everything else is fine with the inReach, but I hate. Yeah, it's just such a nightmare to try to like message quickly. Yeah. Cause I just want to get it done. Totally. Like I don't want to have to w- spend 20, 30 minutes of yeah. looking at this or pulling my phone out to yeah. send two or three text messages to someone. Yeah. And having that dedicated number is nice. Cause then you can just be like, just text me on this number. Yeah. You don't have to be like, remember to have an in reach yeah. thread yeah. started with everybody that, <laughs> totally. you know, you want to have the ability to like send you something. All right. Oh, and also, so if you send if you send messages either through Wi-Fi or just over LTE or whatever um, through the Zolio app, those ones are free. Hmm. So you only pay for the the yeah. satellite messages. So, nice. um, yeah, it's pretty. Su- it's a sweet tool. I mean, yeah, I've. I think the argument against them is that it kind of takes away from that backcountry experience and it keeps you too connected, which like I can understand that, but I will say like. I've hunted and gone into some way crazier places. Maybe this is a false sense of security, but because I have that device yeah. and I know that I'm like, hey, if if uh, poop hits the fan, I can like <laughs> <laughs> I can uh, message somebody and be like, hey, I'm in here. Or you know, I, I 
killed an elk years ago and I was it was like it's like eight or nine miles in. Yeah. No way in hell I would have hunted oh, back yeah. there if I didn't have that thing. Yeah. But I, and I ended up shooting an elk back there and um and then I messaged a couple of buddies and they came in and helped me. So so it's so it's kind of cool in that and, and it also gives it gives peace of mind to For sure. other people, but it also I gives peace of mind to yourself. Smart to, to more stuff. Smart to have. Dude, the amount of people I, that are just hiking and like a, a rock falls on their leg, like that yeah. shit happens. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, even if you freaking break a leg, you oh, know, yeah. or mess your leg up really bad, like you're not hiking out of there in a lot of spots. Like you're not yeah. going anywhere. Yeah. Um, it's good yeah. Thing I always, if I don't want to talk to anyone, just tell them that I got a conserved battery and I don't turn it on more than once a day. <laughs> <laughs> just that I didn't take uh, any to charge anything. So I'm keeping my battery, keep my battery charged up in case I really need it which a lot of times you do. It's like, I try to not use mine at all. Cause it's like, if I kill something or if I get in a bad situation, I'm probably going to have it. I don't want to have it on and yeah. using it a lot. And it would, it'd be a bummer to have it run down totally. and then need to use it a lot. But the battery on the Zolio, I mean, I don't know. I've, I've had it on for three straight days. It probably lasts a lot longer with no screen. That's true. Yeah. I didn't think about that. I'm sure it does. Yeah. So. The only bad thing there would be that you'd have to use your phone more, but, Oh, that's that's the one downside is that if if your phone dies, you can still send like a check in an SOS and an SOS message, yep. but you don't have a way to like send a custom yeah like like type out a message. So which is fine for me. I've uh, shockingly I've never had my phone die while out. In I always have my phone die when I'm like walking down the street and it yeah. falls out of my pocket. <laughs> like dude, it's the stupidest yeah. things. It's like when you you know you never get hurt when you're out actually no. doing epic stuff. You get hurt when you're. Like oh, yeah, get getting out of, out of, out of your morning. truck and step on ice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, uh, makes good photo subjects, too. You know, people communicating back home. Oh, yeah. Sweet. Check them out. Check them out. Zoleo.com. Z-O-L-E-O. Dude, I should be your agent, man, because I can just <laughs> ask you about this What stuff, other products uh, there? Stuff. I'd be like, hey, how do you like that headlamp? Phoenix headlamp sales just went through the roof. HL60. Now Zolio, they're probably going to see a sales spike over the next few days. Also, uh, <laughs> cotton carrier. So I, so I, I was always in this. I've, I've been in this eternal debate with between cotton carrier and uh, Peak Designs. Which one is better? Yep. And, um, and I know the answer. I've known the answer because I, I every couple of years I kind of go back and forth. I'm like, oh. so, so anyway, so, uh. Yeah, I, <laughs> it's cotton carrier. It's cotton carrier, for sure. <laughs> and the long and short of it, of uh, the long and short of it, is that uh, cotton carrier is way quieter. Yeah, like silent, doesn't make a single noise. And the other thing that I would have happen a lot with Peak Designs. So Peak Designs, so they have a little camera clip, and um, when every time you, when you put it into the clip, it it goes click. Yeah, and then often it's really hard to get it out of that thing, hmm. especially if it's inclement weather, yep. especially if you have a bunch of gear on, like they are, they can be a royal pain. And I, like I've had times where I've had, to, I couldn't get it off. <laughs> and I, I used to, yeah, I, I took it on some like winter goat hunts years ago where the metal would like shrink or contrast or something yeah, would happen. Probably. And there wasn't any ice yep. in it and it would literally, it would get stuck. Yeah. And so, and so I had to like unscrew the base plate while stuck in the cot or while stuck in the peak design thing. It's like, oh, so anyway, so this fall I, I, uh, I reverted back to peak designs for one trip and it was mm. terrible. <laughs> and I, and I missed a couple shots because I had my stinking camera stuck. <laughs> oh, it was so annoying. And then, but yeah, then I went back to cotton carrier and it's just, oh, you just twist and pull and it's seamless yep. and, oh, so yeah. Peak Designs looks cooler. It looks nice and classy, but it is functionally ah, it just functionally, doesn't yeah. do it. It's it's too bad. Yeah, they're, they're more sleek too. Yeah, well, yeah. But, I like kind of looking like a dork using the cotton carrier. Uh, yeah, you do kind of <laughs> look like a dork. So it works so good though, man. It does. I just can't argue with it. Yeah, it makes no noise. <laughs> Even when it gets like snow and ice on it, you just kind of reef it in there. Totally. and it works good. Yeah, the peak one, you can't do that. No. Uh Got any other hot field tips? Hot field tips. Hot field tips. Uh, I probably could th think of a list, which we probably should do for a different podcast, but hot field tip. If you're going to pack a long lens, mm. use it. I don't yeah. know how lazy 
and I've been lazy too. It's just you're lazy that you don't pull it out and use it. It's just like it produces I, the most epic, insane results. It always it's like Ugh. okay, once you've got some shots in the bag, it's, you know, it's good to get something in the bag prior before you go straight to like a big lens if you're packing one. But man, I Even feel like it's hard. It's hard to go wrong with that thing. Yeah, you know, like it just gives some good perspectives. Yeah, everybody can shoot a wide angle cool shot. Yeah. You know. But, or just experimenting with some different oddball lenses. Yeah. There's definitely some cool stuff just to kind of like, you know, I'll, I'll get a set of lenses that I'll pretty much run a lot, but then I always try to once in a while rent something or try something just to make sure I am not kind of like blind in my own yeah. comfort of the few lenses that I like. You oh, know. It's fun to change it up, change up the perspective just for your own creativity. Yeah. Like, yeah, the, um, probably like a year ago, I bought a, a 200 to 600. Yeah. It's not like a super pricey, I mean, it's 1500 bucks, but it's yep. not like a super low aperture or anything. But just the perspective is so much different. I love shooting it with it. Yeah. And I shoot a lot of video with it as well, just because it's so zoomed in. You just like see the world in a totally different yep. view. So I would almost, there towards the end before I started working at Stone Glacier, I'd almost pick the lenses specifically to each trip mm. you know yeah and like try to cater it i'd like almost always rent one lens <laughs> well like, we don't have that mule deer hunt you got the yeah. uh, the 105 i'm sorry the one yeah yeah 100 105 mil 1.8 or 1.4 1.4 yeah. yeah but like yeah there's certain lenses that it's really probably not that much money unless you're going for a really long trip and it's a really expensive lens it's like for a couple hundred bucks yeah you could rent a lens that, like, man, you should be getting at least a couple hundred dollars worth of value out of totally. in your imagery. <laughs> or just, or even just saying, like, hey, maybe this hunt I'm going to literally just put primes in my backpack. Like, obviously, I'll take my Zoom and have it in the truck or something in case I feel like that was an oversight. But yeah, I've done shoots on just two primes. Yeah. Which is, like, forces you to <laughs> yeah. be very thoughtful about what you're shooting through your camera and not so much like oh I can zoom in and out and like kind of not I feel like with zooms you don't think about where you need to be mm -hmm. you just adapt to where you are yeah or like with a prime there's no zooming in or out yeah you have to think about where you want to be for the photo totally. so it's good I think to do it both ways totally Cause, I mean because yeah. there's great shots that sometimes if you didn't have a zoom that just happen in a hunting setting you know, you would miss, but yeah. Yeah. Primes a lot of times can provide just a different look. Mm -hmm. And yeah, if you're versed in all of them, I mean, when I switched to Sony, I bought all primes mm -hmm. and then I realized, Oh, like it works for some shoots, yeah. but then others I'm like, no, I need, I need a couple zooms just yeah. for depending on the project. So it's good to be versed in all things. Why'd you sell your, your, uh, XT or whatever? What was your little point? Oh, shoot? my little Fuji film. Yeah. Dude, I have too many cameras. I, it's, <laughs> I have too <laughs> Well, honestly, so I... I almost was like, I might buy that from Drake. It's a pretty badass <laughs> little camera. Yeah, Fujifilm X100T. I actually have a Fujifilm X100F. So T stands for three, F stands for four. Yep. Um, yeah, badass little point and shoot. If you know how to operate sure. a full manual camera. Yeah. Like, they're... When I first got it, I was like, what the F is this thing? Mm -hmm. And then I really dove in, and it's I've, I've shot with some old Leica film cameras, and it feels just like that, and it pursues, yep. produces basically the same result, but it's digital. Yeah, um, yeah and I, basically what that camera did, so, so, so one thing with all these, whatever, DSLR and mirrorless cameras, like, dude, like, you can shoot so many stinking epic photos in such a short amount of time. Like, you don't even have to think with them, hardly. And so the reason right. I got that, that, that little Fuji is because it's full manual and it, it forced me to really slow down. Yep. And yeah, then I totally fell in love with it. And I've, I've had that camera for like six years. So and then I got the, the new yeah, one. Yeah, I don't have a point shoot, <laughs> but I really want one. I also have a Sony RX100 Mark VI. Yeah. So it's a little tiny point and shoot. It's yep. smaller than my phone. Yep. It's got a 24 to 200 zoom. And... Those are badass. Too. It's pretty badass. That that's the one when I do have a camera. Like if I'm if I'm actively bow hunting or hunting, yeah, not more only mostly bow hunting because if, if I'm rifle hunting, I can keep I can keep a bigger camera on my shoulder and still hunt. Yeah. Um. But that little that little RX100, yeah, it's I don't know, it's probably four inches long and you can put that in like well, depending on what backpack you're running, but like 
you could just like I have a point and shoot that we have at Stone Glacier that just fits in a hip pocket. Sweet, yeah. In your backpack, so it's like yeah. it's always on you. Yeah, I keep mine on my vinyl harness in yep. low season. Yep. And yeah, it's tiny. You just whip it out. Like you can zoom in tight. Like it, the video is really great. The photos. I mean, you, honestly, I don't think maybe aside from the, the Fujifilm X100, um, I don't think there's a point and shoot out there that can capture a photo nearly as good as like these these higher end full frame cameras. Yeah, it's just the the end result is just not going to be the same. Yeah, but it's you know I think the Fuji and then that little RX100 is pretty close. It's art. It's all about the emotion that's in the image. It doesn't have to do with the pixels. <laughs> pixels. It's all the pixels. <laughs> pixels don't matter. Yeah, the other great thing is that <laughs> that uh, that X100T. It's a 12 megapixel camera. Oh. And what's even funnier? There's all these haters that talk about. Oh, it's not high enough megapixels. Blah, blah, blah. And it's like, hey, bleepity bleeps. Like I had a photo that got blown up into a billboard that was like 30 feet long, shot with that camera. Yeah, they've been. I was running, like, suck it. They've been running full <laughs> billboards for Apple ads with the shot on iPhone. Totally. That's 10, 12 megapixels or whatever. They're probably more now, but yeah, not much. Like billboards have been around, and like giant print advertisements of any kind yeah. have been around as long as cameras have. Yeah. You know, 50 years, like yeah. well, more than that. So it's like, give me a break. I mean, yeah, more megapixels allows you to do more editing and cropping, and blah blah blah. But like, for the most part, you can get away with a smaller megapixel camera. So like, mm -hmm. one of the crazes with a lot of new cameras these days is like, there's kind of this megapixel race. It's like, hey, let's create the highest megapixel shooting camera ever. Yeah. Problem is like, so my Sony RX1 or sorry, too many too many model numbers. <laughs> Sony A7R3, which is like a three four year old camera now. Mm -hmm. It's uncompressed raw image file is 80 megabytes. Yeah. And Huge. right off the bat, actually, I did one shoot with that, and I filled up, like, a terabyte real quick in, like, three days. Yeah. I was like, what in the heck? And uh, shooting both photos and videos. But then I, I did some research, and basically the compressed file, which is 40 megabytes, like, you really can't tell the difference. No. And, it, yeah, I did, all, I mean, I did some personal tests on it. I could not tell the difference between yeah. the two. So, I, yeah, I switched my camera back to... To compress mode, so it's only 40 megabytes. Unless you're getting super cranky in the Lightroom sliders, dude, then you yeah. want raw, dude. Yeah. Yeah. If yeah. you're going to HDR it. Yeah, gotcha. <laughs> yeah, if you totally blew out, yeah. if you totally if screwed gonna over You're going to spend like two hours in Photoshop with it, dude, you want raws. <laughs> you want raws, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've, uh, whenever I like shoot time lapse and put it into JPEG or whatever, and then I'm like, oh, I forgot to take it out. Dang it. I'm never like, oh, man, the resolution wasn't good. I'm always yeah. like... Yeah, so maybe I should just leave it in. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, uh. the the problem that it creates is like you gotta have a faster computer, you gotta have more memory cards, you gotta have more storage space. Yeah, it's like for what? It doesn't like. <sighs> yep. Hey, yeah. So this fall, I've been running around a lot with the Sony A7S3, which I think is a 12 megapixel photo camera. Yep. The video side of things are insane. Um, but the photo quality is it's lower, but yep. it still produces epic images. Yeah. So I get these questions all the time. I'm like, oh, what settings, blah, blah, blah. Like, which camera? And then I tell them. And they're like, well, how did you do that with such a – I thought you needed higher megapixels. I'm like, dude, you just need a cool scene. Yeah. Like, come on. <laughs> I know. You can do so much with so little. I was thinking about it today. And it's like, man, if you bought a camera and, like, a 35-millimeter prime, you could, you could build your entire portfolio over totally. the course of the year with just that. Yeah. Two pieces of gear. Yeah. No battery and an SD card. Maybe, maybe two batteries. Okay, so there's a few other. Oh, jeez. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it doesn't take that much. And then when you land gigs, you could literally rent the lenses that you yeah. think you need for each. Like you don't really need that much. Gear. <laughs> you would have no overhead. If, like <laughs> if you're just getting started, like you don't need that much gear. Nope. I still scratch my head when I see dudes with like seven camera bodies and like twenty lenses. You know, like yeah, they yeah. like always love to like show their like camera gear. I'm like. Dude. Just went on a shoot. And here's I mean, that's gigs. cool, but man, that's a terror. I, I feel like that's just a bad use of money. <laughs> bad use of money, and it's just like, <laughs> like, dude, you can do so much. So complex. With so little, and like, how do you ever decide what you're going to use and take? And like, just, it's like kind of like a, like a weapon in some regards that like you kind of want to get used to them. Yeah. When I kind of first started out, it was like, I think my first lens was a 50 mil. Yeah. Like 1.4 from yeah. Canon. And that's all I used for like two years. And then I got a 24 to 70. Yeah. 
And then when I started, your mind was blown. I was like, Ooh, mind blown. Yeah. And then and then I worked for an agency. It kind of had access to the whole everything, everything. Yeah. And there was, <clears throat> excuse me, there was times where I, I was taking like six lenses on a backpack trip. Yeah. And then after a while, it's like, well, that's just stupid. Because and I, it was it was just learning process. It's like I would take six lenses, and there was because there were so many lenses, it was became overwhelming. Yeah. And then I take a GoPro, and then I take you know you take a couple different cameras, and it's like you just don't have time. Like hone in yeah. on a few really great pieces, and just get really good with those. Yeah. And you know it's obviously great to be able to shoot with everything. And like I, I have a macro lens, I don't really take it that many places because honestly I don't sell that many macro photos. It's a great like yeah. kind of additional lens to have for certain storytelling aspects. But like I used to pack that thing and everything else all over. Now it's mm -hmm. kind of like I've got three to four lenses I primarily use on yep. with the exceptions of throwing in primes and funky ones like we were talking about earlier. So. Yeah. Should just always be purpose driven. Yeah. Shoot it because of a, there's some reason to shoot it. Not just because yeah. you got it or you got access to it or whatever. That usually just like leads to like just spray and pray like randomness. Yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> I'd rather have people see the photo in their head and then like what's the right tool for the job mentality. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, like you wouldn't build a dining room table, you know, like without having a plan for it and then being like, what tools do I need to make that cut? <laughs> Same thing. Like I said in the last it should podcast, be a photo. You should be a life coach. Zach. <laughs> yeah. Zach's life coaching. Life's next coach. podcast coming <laughs> in 2021. Um, but yeah. Uh, well, sweet. Hopefully we helped out a little bit um, from reaching out to brands, internships, to gear, to lenses, shooting. Uh, if you guys have any questions, hit us up. Um, and yeah, definitely consider taking the course. Um, I don't think we're going to have any discounts or anything over the holidays, but I'll say if you reach out to myself or Drake and are seriously interested, uh, in the course and show that interest, um, we probably got something for you. So yeah, everybody have an awesome holidays. Hope you guys had an awesome year and we will catch up with you guys next year, 2021.